What's up, everyone? Welcome to Luke's Mind Power. This podcast is produced to enlighten, inspire, motivate, and move you into your power place. Your mind is powerful, and when you connect it with your heart, you become superpowered. That is why I believe that loving yourself is the secret to success and living your dreams. I'm your host, Luke Mindpower. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. This is Luke Mindpower. Hope you're having an amazing day. So excited for this episode. I have an amazing guest with me today. Her name is Aggie Cater. She's an incredible woman, wife, mother, and dear friend. She is a star in the making and one I've known since I was a child. She's someone who has defied the odds of succumbing to the pain of birth trauma, depression, and anxiety. She now lives to continuously dive deeper into her own healing journey and not suppress it as just normal life experience. Her resilience is commendable and she's a real light in this world. So please help me in welcoming Aggie. Oh, thank you. That was really lovely. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was really lovely too. <laughs> How are you? Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel, you know, I'm just so grateful to be here. And yeah, just humbled that you you gave me the opportunity to shine some light. Yeah, absolutely. Spreading, absolutely. Spreading yeah, for sure, for sure. You know what? Uh, we've all been through our, uh, some of us are still going through it. You know what? I think we're always going through something. There's, you know, you, you may overcome something, but I think that, yeah, every single day we're all fighting our own fight, you know, and, and some, are, some are in darker places than others. But it, it is, you know, our ability to to keep pushing, you know, and to to build ourselves yeah. up through these challenging times so that, you know, entirely I see that, you know, once you get through something, then you can also, you know, pay it forward and, and give back, you know. So in saying that, Aggie, uh, give us a little bit of a, a insight into, into what you had to go through, you know, um, to get you to where you are now, you know, that, that that real, real pain. So obviously the biggest um, challenge in my life to date was my birth trauma. Um, I had no idea what birth trauma is or was. Um, I sort of just, obviously it just happened and I had to dive deep and get myself out of it. But um, when I was 30, I fell pregnant with my daughter and I always had this fear of giving birth and I think that's probably why I held myself back from having a child for so long and um, through my whole pregnancy I prayed my heart out and you know asking God please keep me safe during this birth please help it run smoothly and um, we hired a doula Um, I read all the books I um, read a lot of evidence-based information in regards to birth and how a woman's body works and um, how the hormones kick in and I was just really confident in what I was what my body was capable of doing and what I didn't realize was how broken the hospital systems are and it's not just in Australia but it's worldwide and there's one in three women who um, get birth trauma and um, it's just so rarely spoken about so obviously um, it was in the back of my mind just this fear anyway but not of birth trauma but just birthing in general and so when I came into um, the hospital we just got flooded with um, people fighting against um, what we wanted against our birth plan Um, we were bullied for the whole 30 hours that I was in the hospital um, giving birth even with my doula advocating for us um, we just 
A doula is a lady who pretty much advocates you for you through your birth, but also supports you through your birth. So um, my doula was really great. She was massaging me and she used some beautiful essential oils to help calm me. Um, and then obviously she was there as our backbone when the hospitals were um, trying to manipulate situations and taking us into coercive strategies. Um, she was there to try and help us stay out of that and allow me to have the birth I wanted. Um, she was very knowledgeable with what the hospitals do to try to manipulate births um, into hurrying them up and bringing on caesareans, um, doing things that women don't necessarily need to have done, but doctors do it anyway to force a certain way of birth. And um, she was ridiculed in the room. They harassed her as well. You know, they undermined her saying, where did you do your studies? Was this just a weekend course? What are you just a sister here? Um, you know, the whole room was such a toxic environment and not an environment where a woman would be able to birth naturally, to be honest. Um, I had, you know, and this is probably going into a lot of detail, which I don't share with a lot Sounds of people. Sounds very stressful already. Uh, you, yeah, know, you having yeah. to go through that experience and then, you know, the, not, not having that, you know, unconditional support of the fact that you're actually giving birth to another human and, you know, having yeah. that empathy and that love in that environment so that you can be in a stress-free environment so that it's more natural. Yeah. And the thing that we've got to remember too is women, women are meant to birth openly and freely and there's such a thing as sphincter law. When you go to the toilet, you have to be relaxed to be able to go to the toilet. And it's the same thing with birth. You have to be relaxed and you have to be calm. And you know, the ideal environment is dark, a dark room where you feel safe. And I wasn't feeling safe. So my body was shutting down and it wasn't able to do what it needed to do to birth this baby because yeah, I was fighting all these doctors and people who were strangers telling me what I needed to do with my body when I could feel what my body was doing itself. And um, yeah, my doula was really great, um, really great in helping us really get through it. But, um, you know, I had women, what I went through, the obstetric violence, it's called, and um, obstetric rape. So the obstetrician was, um, I guess I can say, ripping me apart with her own bare hands without my consent. Um, there was, there were midwives in the room who were also doing the same. They were all very, very violent. Um, the more we questioned their motives and questioned what they were doing, the more they tried to fight back. And it was really scary. I know Rob was, um, trying to hold strong. That's obviously my husband. Um, but, um, you know, I felt like I had to be strong through the whole thing. And there were times where, um, I really had to shut down. I felt my soul shut down to try and get through it because it was literally like I was a rape victim. I just had to shut down my brain and let them do whatever they were doing to me to just get through it, to stay alive. And, you know, these things are happening daily to women in the hospital scenarios. And it's frightening that, you know, we then come out of these sort of birth traumas and they're not recognised, they're not acknowledged, they're not spoken about. And we go home to our quiet little family with a brand new baby that we just have to deal with a new baby, but also everything that we just went through and the way we were treated in a hospital that you're supposed to be safe in. A hospital is meant to take care of you and 
you know, ideally in a, in a birthing environment, your midwives are your support. They're meant to be those women like your mothers, your sisters, you know, at heart who are helping you bring these babies to life. And it's just not happening. It's just not um, I can, one in three. Yeah, I, I can yeah. already like picture the reason as to why they didn't want to pivot or adjust their way of work or service simply because it was a different scenario you you were you were a little bit different than than maybe other most other women who they were able to just delegate to do this this and this and 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 you know it goes with whatever they naturally or normally do on a daily basis and here you come in and you're a little bit different or you've got a bit of anxiety or you're you want to do things a little bit different and then they didn't want to yeah. conform you know yeah and i think the thing is too that um because I went in there informed and I knew what my body was doing. And, you know, I had my doula advocating who was very well informed and educated and they didn't like that. I think they mm. felt really um, threatened by that. Yeah. And you know, they coerced me into all sorts of things. I mean, um, they, they coerced me into uh, getting a vaginal exam, which I kept resisting because, you know, I've had as a child um, sexual abuse and, I read up about vaginal exams. You do not need that while you're birthing. It is not a necessity to check what stage of labor you're at. Mm. So um, it was very evident that I was in the second stage of labor, but they were pretty much um, harassing me and telling me that if I don't get a vaginal exam, they're going to send me home. And in hindsight, I would have loved to have just gone home and had my baby in the car park and called the news because it would have maybe even brought more light to the harassment that the hospitals bring to women in birth. Mm. But, you know, like these things happen and I've learned the lesson, but it was, uh, you know, going back to the whole scenario of how I've came out of it, how I've come out of it is it literally was the biggest journey I had to pick myself up off the floor of and just, you know, find myself again. Um, it was literally like a, who the heck am I and what just happened and where am I, you know, yeah. and what do I do with baby? What do I do? What do I do with me? And yeah, I, it's just, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> how, how mentally challenging or draining has it been? Have you been in a, in a, a battle with your own thoughts and, and just uh, being uh, like just your, your thoughts have just, or, or whatever it is that's going up in, in your mind has just caused chaos. And, and put you into that fight or flight state where you're just so anxious or depressed or, or uh, just not connected with, with your, your, yourself. Yeah. I mean, I was doing a bit of spiritual work before I even fell pregnant. And um, when I got out of that birth trauma, my head was nowhere. It was, I mean, like I said, I was very, all my life I've been a really, um, strong Catholic as well, you know, it was in my upbringing and I was devoted to God and praying and I came out of that experience and I literally turned to my family and said, there is no God. There was no God in that room. And I prayed my heart out through my whole pregnancy and he wasn't there for me. That's literally how I felt when I got out of that. And, you know, my mum was in the corner of the room crying. She was praying her heart out for the whole 30 hours she was there because she was just as traumatised as we were. 
my father as well, although he was outside of the room, he was praying his heart out because he was hearing the nonsense that was going on. And, you know, um, we all came out of that really mixed emotions and muddled feelings. And I was so, I think I was just really angry. I was angry that that happened. I was angry that this, this system in the hospitals is so broken. I was angry that these strangers could do this to women daily without even having a conscience about it, you know, that they could go home and sleep at night knowing that this is what they do to these women. And I was just really disconnected from my baby because as well, you know, we wanted um, delayed cord clamping, which allows all the oxygen and the blood cells to be transferred to the baby um, after birth. And That's the, through the, the umbilical cord? Yes, through and the umbilical cord. So how long did so, you want to wait before you cut it? Um, usually until it stops pulsating and when the cord, when you can see the blood has gone from the cord. So it turns like a white color. Yep. And, um, this obstetrician again, because she was already angry with us and already fighting against us, she chopped the cord without even allowing Rob to cut the cord. Oh, really? Yes. And then she chopped it straight away. So because she chopped it straight away, it didn't allow my daughter to get the oxygen she needed through, through that cord. And she stopped breathing. And um, I literally held her for probably a minute before they wrapped her up and took her away to Niku. And um, I was taken for two hours worth of stitching and they numbed me from the waist down. I could not move. So I didn't see my daughter for probably at least 48 hours after birth. And Rob was giving me, you know, sending me photos of what she looked like and how she was. And that was really heartbreaking for me as well. That was another thing that really d dug me into depression because I felt so deeply disconnected from my baby. Yeah. Like the first you thing know? that should happen is that you should be holding the baby straight away. Right. Cause like, it's that's a, right. Yeah. It's the most important thing, but um, I couldn't walk as well. I had lost a lot of blood and no one was giving me, um, giving me a, uh, one of those chairs, I guess, to, to wheel me around in. Um, it took us two days before someone finally, Rob just found one down the hallway and brought one in for me. And he just forced me in the chair because they weren't allowing me to move because the blood loss, my head kept spinning. But, you know, they, there were things that could have been done to bring that child maybe down to me or, yeah, just taken me up to that child. But it would cause such a disconnect for the first six months. I didn't know what to do with her. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know why she was here. You know, um, I was struggling really becoming uh, in tune with her and what she needed and how to be a mother, you know? Yeah, it was, the, the whole situation was really, um, and I keep questioning whether it was postnatal depression, but I, I don't know if it was entirely postnatal depression. I think it was just a traumatic depression and anxiety ball that um you know was caused from the abuse that happened in the hospital system yeah it sounds like it was a combination of, of all these different experiences that you went through during the 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 whole experience of, of uh, childbirth you know and and even yeah. the the whole cutting of the of the cord like I, I'm, I'm assuming that you obviously spoke that to the doctor or whoever it is that cuts it to say, Hey, you know, we don't want you to cut it until this time. So please like yeah. just wait. And she still just went ahead and did it. Yeah. 
I mean, you create a birth plan with your team, <clears throat> with your team in the hospital before you give birth with your child. And um, they were fully aware of what we wanted, um, but they just didn't, they just decided to do whatever they wanted. And yeah, well. um, yeah, unfortunately it happens in time. Pretty sad and very disrespectful. I see it, you know, and, and it just goes to show how, programmed and systematic they are you know this is the way that we do it this is how we've been doing it for years and you know just because you think you can come in and and give us your own plan we're not going to follow it and that's really that's that's shocking man that's yeah wow, wow. that's that's tough you know and um uh, you know i can only you know here i am listening <laughs> to you and <laughs> and imagining what you had to go through and again you know you're going to like understanding these your thought process of you know intentionally having faith and and praying to god that god uh helps you through this and 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 where do you stand with that now how do you feel yeah well when i came out of it <clears throat> you know um for those first six months i was really trying to um get back that connection with my daughter that i didn't have so I didn't want anything to do with God. Um, probably for the first 12 months, I was so revent, you know, resentful towards God and I was so angry and um, I didn't want to borrow of him. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to pray. I didn't even want to hear about God. Um, it was just like this complete block and I was so angry. And it took me that full 12 months before I started really healing. And I dive deep into my heart and um, I reconnected with myself and I started getting regular healing sessions and um, diving deep, deeper back into my spirituality and doing breath work and um, journaling, a lot of journaling and meditating. And I started just putting slowly the pieces back together and coming back to the truth of who I am. And coming back to the truth of who God is, I guess. And, you know, reconnecting slowly with, with the spirit and with God on a different level. And it wasn't until probably um, this year where I've really dived deep into reconnecting my soul and, you know, um, diving deep into what my purpose is on this planet. Because since the birth trauma, obviously, it took that first 12 months to really heal myself. Um, you know, not, not entirely. There'll always be parts that will hurt. But to a point where I could speak about it. And then when I started speaking about it, I realized more people were in the same situation and more people didn't have the support. And then I found myself, um, you know, healing through speaking to others and um, sharing my story on online platforms and um, in books and to, to people on podcasts and things. And um, from there, it's just really dived me deeper into my spirituality to start really healing those deep parts of myself and um, reconnecting back to myself so that I can help heal others. And um, that that's my inspiration at the moment to really dive deep into those shadows and um, come back to the truth of who I am so that I can help others see the light in themselves too and help yeah. them heal traumas. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible, you know, and I think about this a lot because I say it a lot in hindsight, when you're going through that pain or 
whatever experience you're dealing with right now, or if you've overcome something in the moment, you didn't, you didn't know what was going to happen in the future. You didn't understand it. It it didn't make sense. It was hurtful. It was painful. You were heartbroken. You were disconnected. And, you know, I know that I say this a lot, you know, everything's happening for a reason. And even though it doesn't make sense now, just know that it's going to make sense in the future and it's happening to you for a purpose. When you're feeling that pain, when you're feeling that pain in the moment, for me to come and say that to you, you could say, you could scream at me, you could say, F off, you don't know what the hell (laughs) I'm going through, whatever. And it's true. Yeah, you could probably say, you know, you could probably get upset like that. But, you know, it is as you, you know, push forward and you don't give up on yourself and you start connecting with yourself and you start really investing in your spirituality and, and reconnection, that process it is then when you actually start to realize and you're like, wow, look how much I'm taking away from that experience, even though it was so hurtful. Uh, There are people out there that are experiencing this and have gone through this and are still dealing with this. How can I be of service? How can I now pay it forward to say, hey, this is what I did. This is how I overcame this. I can help you get here too. That's right. And it's all about sharing our journey and sharing how we got there and like you say I am a very big believer of everything happens for a reason and um, you know it's taken me three years but I'm at a place now where I look back at that um, day of birth and I think to myself gosh I'm grateful for that because (coughs) excuse me if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be where I am today (coughs) and it truly um, it just truly opened my heart (coughs) and just truly allowed me to be who I am today and I can look back and be grateful for that experience be grateful for my daughter and what she also brought through that experience <clears throat> but all the knowledge that I've learned from there into how to heal myself and how to really open my heart just crack my heart open to forgiveness to love um, to compassion to understanding and you know finding that little girl within my heart that um, you know little one who many years ago gave up on love and gave up on forgiveness and kindness and compassion and come back to her. Yeah. So I've yeah, to, I'm I've had to, yeah, I've had to do that too, you know, come back to that love and, uh, and, and that, you know, acknowledgement of that, of that little boy that, you know, felt disconnected and didn't feel like he was good enough. And, yeah. you know, to, to come back and give, give yourself that validation and that acknowledgement, you know, that, that you are good enough and, you know, you do mean something. So yeah, it's a powerful That's place, right. but it's, but it's, it's also to have the awareness and the ability to actually give that attention to not, because it, because it, like, if you had said this to me three years ago, I would have said, what are you talking about? Talk, talk to my younger <laughs> self, like talk to my inner child. What, what inner child? I'm freaking yeah. 32 years old, man. You know, <laughs> but yeah, but I, it's, it's a, it is, I would say more if, okay, let's pretend that I'm 32 again and I'm hearing this for the first time. It's more or less a strategy or a formula or a way of bringing awareness to having a practice that you can heal yourself, that you can reconnect with yourself. And again, it can be similar to the placebo effect. Whatever you believe in and you take action on, it it can come true. That's true. Right. So Mm -hmm. if this is a practice where, for example, I'm in my room and I have photos of me, 
during my first Holy Communion. And I absolutely yeah. hated that suit that my mum made me wear, <laughs> you know, but I look at that boy every day and I look <laughs> at him and most days when I look at him, I tell him that I love him, you know? Yeah. And again, you can look at that as being crazy or that's stupid or it's only a picture, whatever. But I still believe that within your soul, within your, 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 your sense of being of who you are. And now a short message from our sponsors, USC. What's up, guys? This is LMP. Now, if you know me, you know that over two years ago, I was not living my purpose, passion or dream. I was lost, insecure and confused, working a nine to five and trying to pay my debts. I wanted my own independence and meaning. Well, let me tell you a secret. That can change very quickly if you are ready. I have never been so wealthy and healthy and in harmony in my life. I am not called the ultimate success coach for no reason. If you want the ultimate life and you are ready, it does not matter what your niche or talent is. Rest assured, with your action and my guidance, that is where we are headed. My ultimate success coaching is now opening the vault to assist you into taking your life to the peak of the mountain. Want to stop wasting money and start making money? You will not want to miss this life-changing opportunity. What would life be like if you were getting paid for doing what you love? living your purpose and traveling the world. Now, with the world in crisis, there is no better time than to be online building your brand. What if you could create a media empire? How might that impact your business? Imagine being the author of a best-selling book. Imagine creating a successful high-income producing podcast. Imagine having a top-performing YouTube channel. What if you could learn how to master Facebook and IG marketing? What if you were given the top six targeted strategies for branding your business? Well, this is your day. Me and my team are here to assist you to create, launch, and thrive in this new economy. Podcasting is the new radio. YouTube is the second leading search engine and new TV. A best-selling book is the new business card and magazine without the competition. If you know Amazon, Nike, Tesla, or Coke, you know how big a deal it is to be branded. With myself and my team, we are here to help you to go from surviving to thriving. Are you ready? Go ahead today and sign up to begin to have massive success. The link is in the show notes or simply visit lukemindpower.com and book yourself in for a complimentary call. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Still lies that little traumatized person who's seeking validation, who wants that love, who wants that attention, who wants to feel appreciated. And this is just a way that you can reconnect with that person because yeah. That's that's a also if you start tuning in and paying attention to your emotional intelligence when you are yeah. triggered, when you get emotional f- from a conversation or when someone says something to you that that hits you and and for some reason you don't realize or understand why you got upset. Yeah. And and you start paying attention to that, that's where you actually can start taking more action and diving deeper as you as you mentioned a few times into healing yourself the more you acknowledge those triggers and those emotions, not suppressing them and not pushing. Cause I used to suppress them all the time. You know, oh, yeah. I don't, that's just me. I just get, I just get, emo- I just get stressed. I just get emotional. I just, when someone talk, calls me skinny, I just get upset because you know, that's what I believed people called me and that, that, that that's who I am. So I let people make me feel like I'm less or less of a person. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, so yeah, powerful and stuff. I think, you, you... I think too, you've got to be at that point in your life <clears throat> where you're open to 
receiving that sort of conscious information, you know, um, expanding your mind to that because back when we were little, we knew everything, you know, everything was already perfect about us. And um, all the experiences that we went through as we grew sort of shaped our emotions and our thoughts and our patterns. And it started closing off our own perfect intelligence that we already had as a child. And we started believing everything that people were telling us and, you know, um, playing on that and I guess molding ourselves into what, what the external wanted us to be instead of coming back to that true wisdom within and that true knowing and heart space of who we really are. And I guess that's, that's one of my, um, or was one of my triggers. It's been something that I've been working on for a while now is, um, you know, when people tell me that I'm not good enough, I start to look back at the first time, (coughs) sorry, the first time I didn't feel good enough. And I nurture that. And I think to myself, you know, that that's not true. It was absolutely an illusion. And it had nothing to do with me. It was what someone else was projecting from their own consciousness, from their own view of the world. And I took that as truth. And it was not true. And, you know, um, it's a real blessing to come back and see that. But if you can't, if you're not ready to go deep into those shadows and realise that every single hurt that we have in our life is something we have created because we've allowed that into our heart, and we've covered our own wisdom with that, then, you know, it's just not, it, it will never be the right time, you know? It, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, yeah, it, it is, you know, getting to that point where you actually want to give that, that version or that, that uh, connection with yourself attention. Yeah. Because not everybody's there yet. And sometimes you do really have to go through a fair amount of pain and struggle and life experience that you believe is the right place for you to be. You know, you've put, you've put in the work, you've put yourself to where you are now and, and you feel kind of content. Right. And, and sometimes you do have to go through those experiences uh, you know, with whatever you're dealing with in your life to get to that destination where you suddenly realize that, Hey man, I'm not feeling whole. There's something missing, you know? Um, so I, I truly believe that, you know, it's powerful stuff, but, um, to step up up and be the person that no one else could be for you. You know, we, we spend our whole life looking for, um, other people to give us the answers and acknowledgement and approval and, everything is it already inside us we're looking for other people to give us what we've already got you know and it's just tapping into our own wisdom and really trusting in our own wisdom and our own strength and power and um rolling with that yeah absolutely i agree with you yeah. it is it is every you know i didn't i didn't understand the magnitude of power that i had for many years and yeah Hence why I love that I can be an example, a positive example uh, to many people out there uh, of, of, you know, what you truly have within you when you don't know you have it. And when you take the time to spend time with you and, and to love you and acknowledge you and, and give yourself that energy that you so freely give to the world, 
that's, ma- that's where miracles are happening and that's where the magic is, you know, and, uh, you know, I've got yeah. a lot more magic that I'm bringing out, but you know, <laughs> I'm enjoying the yeah. journey. <laughs> it is. It's never, it's not a destination. It's always a lifelong journey. And that's it. That's you know, it. Even, even our purpose, we've got a lifetime of purposes. Um, people strive for one purpose in a lifetime. What, what if our purpose is simply to go into our heart space and hold love? What, what if our purpose is simply to walk into a shopping center and show others compassion to ignite their light and to make them, you know, um, see that, hey, someone else is compassionate, someone is loving. That's really inspiring. Maybe I can be that too. What, what can I do to be more loving? What can I do to be more compassionate? And, you know, we put so much labels and so much time around purpose and finding, finding all these things that we need to be. And it's like, why don't we just come back to being who we are? Why, why don't we just come back to being love and compassion and coming back to peace, you know, without judgment, without attack, without anger, without suppression and worrying about what people think, you know? And that's what it's about. You're so powerful. Do you know that? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I've got a mirror <laughs> in my bedroom and recording this. And, and uh, I'm just like, man, this, this girl, she's, she's on fire. And <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, it, is, it is, you know, and, and it is a process of, of pushing and, and uh, learning, unlearning as well. Uh, um, and, and being more intentional and, and giving yourself that, that, um, more, more of that awareness every day to to lean in to to your own power because you you know you are the creator of your destiny and uh, and what you've yeah. done over the last three years as well um, but not only that you know your whole life experience has played a massive part in in who you've become and uh, you know I see I see some incredible things uh, for you in the future which is which is so and you you're, you're inspiring me right now like I'm just sitting here listening to what you're saying and it's it's amazing and it's so true. Uh, but you mentioned something that I, I'm sure a lot of people out there, because I know a few people that have, have been through sexual abuse, but you mentioned that. And, and for me, when I hear that, um, yeah, I, I hear that and I just feel like uh, I feel, wow, you know, I know that when you love yourself, when you're connected with your soul, you'd never, ever do something like that, like that to someone else. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, I believe that, you know, someone who sexually abuses someone has a has a deep disconnection with themselves uh, because I, re- I truly believe that if you if you are love if you are positivity if you are faith if you are hope if you are compassion if you are kindness then that's what you project but if you don't have that within yourself then that's what you're going to project so if you have resentment hate negativity trauma right pain then you're going to project that onto somebody else yeah it's so, so true. So I guess how did you how did you overcome that kind of an experience? Because now I can I felt that when you said that you, you've you've got to a healing place, you're strong, uh, and and you've been able to heal yourself. Yeah. So, uh, do you mean in regards to the sexual abuse? Yeah, because that's 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 yeah. that's painful, man. There's a lot of people out there that know that they've been through that, but they still keep quiet about it because they're embarrassed. I guess, um, to be honest, it was when I was seven, and um, 
it was by a family friend. And um, I think that is also what contributed to a lot of my birth trauma um, because I was being touched inappropriately during the birth of my child and in very vicious and abusive ways. Um, that also triggered the part of my sexual abuse when I was younger. So um, I think all of that combined just hit me at once. And when I dived into healing my trauma, it was trauma of all levels. So the trauma of my sexual abuse, the trauma of the bullying as a child and as, a, as an adult, the trauma of being unaccepted, the trauma of um, the childbirth, um, the trauma of, you know, um, so many different broken relationships that I've had in my life. So um, that all just hit me at once, I think. And um, that they're all the layers that I've been working on. But, you know, the thing that, um, because obviously I, I've been working with a lot of mentors along my journey as well. And um, it's helped me to see that every person comes into your life as a teacher, whether you like it or not, <laughs> and whether they're good or bad, they're your teacher to open you up to your divine gifts, to your divine, you know, soul and your soul path and your soul purpose and who you are. And I am grateful for that experience because I know that he taught me something massive and that birth trauma taught me something massive about myself, that I will not allow myself to go under anybody's power again, you know, because even as a young child, I would always um, lay low and I would always dive under other people's energy so not to be seen, so not to be heard. You know, um, whatever anyone told me, I would just agree and I wouldn't shine my own true heart. And um, these teachers came into my life to show me I need to step into my power and I need to take, take reins of my life and my journey and show people who I really am and stand in that and fight for myself and not in a fight where, you know, um, malicious fight or an angry fight, but a fight in standing in who I am, you know, and standing up for myself and what I believe in. And I allowed these experiences to happen because I wasn't conscious at the time. And that might be controversial, but it's all about energy. When our energy is showing that we're not worthy, when our energy is pushing out that we're we are undeserving and, you know, as you spoke before, that we're not love, that we're not, we're not kindness and peace. We're sending out that vibration and attracting those sorts of teachers and people into our lives to teach us a lesson. And this, this has really helped me shift my energy and shift, you know, um, shift the right people to come into my life to help me. And the triggers that used to be triggers for me are now lessons for me. <clears throat> you know, every time someone brings up something about <clears throat> my self-worth, I, I thank them. I think to them, I, you know, I think to myself, thank you for that lesson. <clears throat> thank you for helping me stay true to myself and stay in my heart. Because as much as you are trying to trigger me to um, lower my self-worth and lower my self-love, I know who I am and I can see the lesson that you're bringing here and I do not accept it. I'm going to stay in love. I'm going to resist your energy and I'm going to stay in peace because that's who I really am. 
And my advice to people in this, in this situation would be the same thing, you know, really come back to the truth of who you are and notice people as your lessons. And if you invite a trigger into your life, ask yourself, what am I doing to bring this trigger into my life? What, what, what energy have I expressed to allow someone else to say this or do this to me? And um, that, that's really powerful. I, I think a lot of people will need to sit with that, but um, that, that is something that really dives deep into your shadows. <laughs> yeah, I know, but there's just people out there, whoever they may be, family or friends or whatever, that, again, everybody has their own experiences. Everybody's been brought up differently. Everybody believes in different things and has different ways of expressing themselves. And some people are yeah. just... Uh, what's the right word not maybe ignorant but uh but just um not aware they're not aware of, of of their words and and the impact that they can have on others and how that may make others feel because again as some people's perception and experiences in life have been different and some words or ex or expressive ways of nature can be seen as not negative or not uh embarrassing or whatever you know uh and so that's the, that's the hard part as well, because someone might say something to you that's offensive. Like, for example, someone, when I, when I was working for the government, there was a, a, um, a co-worker who she, she said to me, oh, you, you're looking really skinny. And, and I got offended, right? Because I was just so self-conscious about my body. And, you know, I, went, I was always going to the gym and, and even, you know, using, I used steroids at some point, uh, you know, and so when she said that to me, she triggered me. And then this was when I was actually doing my um, speaking course uh, back in 2018. And one of the exercises that came up for me to do was called care frontation. And what it was, was that you had to approach someone who had, who you had, who you wanted to have a conversation because, you know, you felt like they hurt your feelings or you, you wanted to let them know how you really feel. And so yeah. the way of doing that, and I've heard other people talk about this kind of ways of, of communicating as well, where it's kind of the sandwich uh, it's called a sandwich or something where you build it up with a couple of um, positive things and then you, you, you speak your truth. And so basically yeah. all I did was I went in and I, I asked her if I could speak to her. And then I said, look, I really appreciate you as a coworker. I think that, you know, we have a great relationship together and, you know, you're really positive and funny and, and you're very, um, you know, you're really great to work with, you know, but the other day when you, when you said that, this, this thing to me, uh, I really got offended and, you know, you know, I, this is what I've gone through and this is what I've uh, experienced in my life. And it really hurt my feelings. And I just wanted to let you know that I didn't appreciate that. And she actually said, you know, I meant it as a positive because you look really fit. Yeah. Right. And so again, and that's what I mean, like sometimes people can say things to you that might trigger you, but they don't necessarily mean you, um, you know, for it to be detrimental on the way that you are or have a negative impact. But again, this then also goes back to, and I know this is all about body image we're talking about as well, but this goes back to when you haven't gone through something, then you don't know what it feels like. And so for me, growing up and, and allowing the external world, that being individuals to say to me, or even just looking at media, how you, how, what's the right way to look, you know, what looks good, what doesn't look good, how should you be 
right? And if you're not like that, then you feel like you're less of a person, right? Yeah. Or someone calls you skinny, someone calls you lanky, someone, uh, you know, my mom telling me to eat all the time because she's like, you have to put on some weight, right? And so <laughs> you, you start to believe that, right? You take that on, you start to believe that, that you're not worthy enough, you're not good enough, you're, you're too skinny, you're different, right? And so you believe that. Yeah. Okay. And so now that I've gone through this, right, there is not a chance in the world that I would ever look at someone and say, geez, you're really skinny. Yeah. Right. Because I felt, I've felt it. I've experienced it. I know what it feels like to have someone say that to me because I never liked it. That's right. right. And, and so if you haven't gone through something and then you say something to someone else, then you don't know what it, what it feels like, right? If she had gone through that when she was a child, for example, she would have never said that to me because she knows what it feels like to be there. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I that's mean, just, it's yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's just, um, for me, it's like I, when I see someone who, you know, it was like me, you know, I have love for them. You know, I, I just look at them and, you know, I know I was there once and, and it's like, it's a bit of a fight, you know, because you're different and, yeah. and, and, and it's okay to be different. It just takes time to realize that because, uh, you know, everyone's trying to fit in. Yeah. We're all trying to fit into, you know, little, little holes that um, we've created in our own head that we have to fit into. And um, a society, you know, tries to pressure us into, but <clears throat> I also believe that we have to take full radical responsibility for, um, whatever happens in our lives. And, you know, this is, um, what the course in miracles has really taught me too, is we can't change everybody else in what they do. And when we walk around this planet pointing fingers at everybody else, well, you shouldn't have said that to me well, you shouldn't have done that to be, you, you should have understood my situation and you, you should know what I'm going through. That is a form of attack. And that is a form of, I guess, um, expressing to others what, what really we need to find within ourselves. And through the Course in Miracles, um, it's really guided me into a place of radical responsibility where I, if someone would come up to me and make a comment like that, I would think to myself, what, what have I done to instigate that to trigger me? There's obviously things I need to heal around that, that I need to go deeper into that um, in order to um, heal that so that nobody says that to me again. Or if somebody says that to me again, I can stay in my heart space in mm. a place of love and not be triggered by that at all. Yes. And you know, if, if I say to anyone, if you want to start anywhere, start with A Course in Miracles because it, because it is the most beautiful place to start to reconnect you back to the truth of God and true love and true peace because, you know, we are all one, we are all connected. And if we're walking around all pointing fingers at each other saying, I'm unhappy because you do this, I'm unhappy because you do that, I'm unhappy because this happened because you did that, how are we grounding peace and love into the planet? How are we ever going to be happy? We need to come back to us. We need to come back to the truth of who we are and our hearts and recognize, okay, that's triggering me. I don't need to attack somebody else for that. I will just show them love and I will show them peace. 
because this doesn't hurt me anymore. And if it does, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write it out. I'm going to punch it out in my punching bag. I'm going to ground myself and meditate. And I'm going to reconnect and really dive so deep that when someone says that to me again, I can stay in love and peace and I do not blame them for anything. And I do not attack them for anything because they are working. They are God too. You know, we have God in each one of us. So God is working through them and God is working through you. And I respect the God in somebody else as well. And if the God in them is telling them to come up and say something nasty to me, I will love them anyway, because it's obviously something that's triggering in me. And that, that, that's my best advice, I guess. I don't know if that inspires you or not. That might trigger you even, but that's... Aggie, um, Aggie you're going to break the internet <laughs> with this episode, honestly. Like, yeah, like, seriously, you know, the God in me, uh, you know, bows to the God in you. Uh, you know, you're, oh, you're, you're really okay. incredible. You know, you're very inspiring. You're very empowering. And I know for a fact that, the work that you that that you are going to do and the service that you're going to provide to to millions of people around the world because of you know your state of harmony and and love within yourself for doing the hard work from from what you have experienced and to be able to heal yourself and acknowledge yourself and learn from yourself because that's something that I think we're missing as well we're always trying to study things right we're always trying to yeah. learn things but we've never taken the time to learn ourselves, study ourselves, why we are the way that we are, what we've gone through, what we've come through, how we were brought up. And, and there's a long list, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning, you know, so it's really powerful. We all are. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a beautiful, powerful thing that you're able to uh, be so aware and, and to continue this path of, um, you know, it's, it's self-development and, and self-reconnection, self-actualization, self-realization, you know, it's powerful stuff, you know? So yeah. I just want to acknowledge you for that because it is not easy. It's challenging. It's stressful. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, life is tough, you know, but so are you. And there are many people out there that are still struggling that don't have the awareness or attentive nature to go, Hey, I can fix this myself. And so they're yeah. waiting for you, Aggie. Oh, thank you. You know, thanks. I feel really, really humbled for all your kind words today. It's really beautiful to receive. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's, I've learned so much. I'm inspired. I, I'm ready to take on the rest of my day. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> there you go, ladies and gentlemen, your daily dose of motivation from Aggie Cater. <laughs> Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. And I hope I've touched someone out there. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if people want to get in contact with you or follow you on social media, where can they find you? Um, So my Instagram page is Earth Mama Healing. Beautiful, beautiful. And just one more question before we go, Aggie. What is your definition of loving yourself? Oh, my definition of loving yourself. Um, to be honest, uh, I'm still on that journey. I am still trying to love, or I am still learning to love um, my inner child fully and deeply. But I think it's coming more into the, the divine feminine to really allow ourselves the time for rest, the time for um, connecting in with our thoughts and our emotions, 
the time to do things for ourselves that bring us joy, um, reconnecting with that inner child that brings us joy. You know, the things that you that bring you joy when you were a child, like, you know, jumping on a trampoline or dancing around in your undies or, you know, um, lighting some candles and having a beautiful bath and just honouring you and time for you. And I think that that's self-love, really just giving yourself the time to be nurtured, um, to nurture your creative side. Um, if you want to go out and paint, paint. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's just the joy of it. You don't have to show anybody. Turn on some music and dance, you know. Lock yourself in the room if, you, if you're paranoid about anybody watching you. But it's that self-love and um, that nurturing time that you give yourself that I feel reconnects you on a heart level and um, inspires others. Because you never know, you, you might start jumping on your trampoline and have so much fun with your kids that your neighbour will see and they'll get inspired and they'll think, oh, I might have a jump around with my kids today to some music. And that inspires them and their kids, kids go off to school and are really happy because they've had a great connection with their parents that morning through some music and they inspire their friends in the playground. And it's just that ripple effect of what one moment of self-love for ourselves can create for others and ignite in others also. Powerful stuff, Aggie. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. No, you're truly welcome. And thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and for your love. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to share this with a friend or on your social platforms and leave a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. This really helps us and means the universe to me and my team. For more dope content and motivation on how you can live the life of your dreams, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. I am Luke Mindpower, the ultimate success coach. And if you want to find your power and purpose in life, simply visit my website, lukemindpower.com for more info on how I can help you 10x your success. Sending you super love and positive energy. Peace. I'll talk to you soon.